Welcome to the International Collective of Female Cinematographers podcast, where every week we'll be talking to a different cinematographer and listening to their stories as they navigate the filmmaking world, sharing secrets and experiences to empower our community. The ICFC is a collective of professional female cinematographers from around the world who provide each other with community support and industry advocacy. We are your hosts, Amelia and Akina. Today, we are so excited to welcome Q Tran. We will be discussing keeping career momentum as a cinematographer, work-life balance, motherhood, baking bread, and working on high-profile TV shows. This is part two of our interview with Q. For some context, this interview was recorded before the start of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA strikes. Yeah. So, what were we talking about? Um, um, representation. We have representation, yes. Mm-hmm. Represent. Um, very important. Me. Switching gears a little bit, uh, I know you've done a lot of things in your career, but is there anything, like if you could shoot anything in the world, anything, 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 what would it be and why? I guess shoot anything? Anything. Oh man, it's such a, it's such a, uh, it, you know, big, big features are always so exciting, you know, and I, I watched all the films this year. I was really inspired by all the films. Mm-hmm. That was a really good year. Mm-hmm. Like Bardo. I was like, what the heck is this no. movie? So insane. That's like Darius Kanji at his best. And it's no. just incredible. You know, so cinematic and beautiful and so compelling. And, and it just the emotions sneak up on you and you don't realize what's happening. And it's like, oh my, you know, it's like, that is so powerful. And that, that's the art of storytelling. And I just love being a part of anything that, makes you feel that way mm-hmm. and then transports you to a different space and allows you to be vulnerable and accessible and um, create these emotions that like you don't you know really on a day-to-day basis um, explore and and that's really special and that's the magic of cinema so I think you know and I just love and I am so grateful for being a part of projects that that allow that or where the audience is then like oh my god you know I watched this and it, it really captured that, that emotion. I mean, that was so not only like powerful emotionally, but visually breathtaking and, and like, you know, it's, I, that's like, I love that. I love when people get to um, feel what I intended. Mm-hmm. And so I'd love to be part. And so it's not really like one project. Oh, I'd love to shoot like, you know, Blade Runner. You mm-hmm. know, it's all, mm-hmm. that's already been done. I, I, but that feeling of scope and cinema and, emotional storytelling that's that's what it is really it's not so much a tangible thing but like a feeling that i aim for as a storyteller well um answer (laughs) no it's a good answer uh but yeah yeah we've we've gotten a lot of different answers to that question so it's yeah really good um different besides baking or if it is baking um what do you do um on your time off and like any hobbies any anything you like to do What's time off? Ah, <laughs> I have Good zero question. time off. When you have when you have a family, don't let this deter you from starting a family. There's no time off because like, so you have to think about the kids' schedules constantly. Like this weekend, my husband is out of town, and so I have two kids: art class, baseball game, tennis lesson, horseback riding lesson, rock climbing team, uh, band practice. So when where do I have time for me mm-hmm. you know, at like 10 PM to AM when I'm yeah. sleeping or trying to catch up on my work. So there's no time off, but that's okay. You know, like I try to read 
I'm reading this incredible novel um, called The Trees right now. Um, I think Percival Everett, Everest, Everett is the author. And it's, I just, this book is like, wow. It's, um, it's just so, um, it, it makes you see things in a different perspective. And I love that. I love like being, I don't say forced, but like presented with a new way of looking at something mm-hmm. from a different lens. And it's like, oh my God, it's like mind blowing. You know, I love that. So that book is really inspiring right now. I just read this other book called Flux, which was like incredible. I don't know if you've heard of it. Um, I'm like, this is this has got to be a show or a movie. I was actually reading it because I was told to read it. Or, anyway, <laughs> but it's going to definitely be something, okay? In like two years, just watch Flux. I mean, all the rage. Hot tip. Uh, so, you know, try to read and, and baking, of course. I'm also uh, an avid gardener. I have hmm. have peas growing in my garden right now and and sorrel and and parsley and arugula and lettuces um so i'm really into gardening i've been doing that for a very long time growing my own vegetables uh i think that's a lot already because <laughs> yeah. i don't kind of begin with yeah so mostly like cooking baking gardening or oh, oh knitting i love knitting cool. um i just finished another sweater for my kid and um I was actually going to wear another one today, but I was like, it's too hot because I've been moving around. I was on and I was baking and moving around. So here's my question. How how do you have the energy to do all that? Because even without kids, I feel like you already have a lot of things. Oh, yeah. I was like, does that yeah. sound like a lot? I don't know. Yeah. Um, you have time to read. You're, you're gardening. You're baking. Yeah, that's true. But I can like knit like I can be knitting right now. Actually, I thought that might be rude, though. <laughs> but like if I'm on the phone or something and I'm doing laundry or mm-hmm. you know like I try to multitask mm-hmm. yeah. uh, so reading I'll do like when I'm traveling mm-hmm. like on the airplane or something I, I'm I'm very productive on airplanes mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'll like read or catch up on a movie that I have to watch or something gardening you know you can do that for like 20 minutes a day like I just was doing some weeding in the in the garden while I was waiting for my bread to cool so, um, very efficient yeah. with time. We must yes, I'm very, too, I'm right? very, but, but I attribute that to be on set, right? Mm. You're a multitasker. You have to balance all these things and and juggle all these people, all these mm. ideas, and make sure you get back. And like you know, like yeah. I hate doing this, but I have a tendency to be like one second, or I'll do this like one second. Like if like if I if three people are like, hey Q, we have a qu-. okay, one second, let me just finish this. Okay, got okay, yes. Uh, go but like you just have to you know yeah. I mean I think that's something that a lot of people don't think about DPs you know people who yeah. are not DPs they don't realize like how much of this job is like multitasking and thinking about other things yeah. and trying to yes. you know people skills like managing other you know expectations like yeah um so much of that is important right managing egos yes <laughs> like managing personalities so it's like yeah. being not hurting feelings babysitting i mean therapy therapy like, yeah yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah and i i find like people are like oh what, what was your training i was like well i think the best training is um doing a lot like just mm-hmm. managing schedules um whether it's in your personal life or not but just that is the greatest skill set to have as a cinematographer because mm-hmm. the higher up you go, the more it's managing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, because the technical should be an assumption. You should know how to do that already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
that's a given, I say. So it's everything else that's hard. And that's where a lot of people ask me like, you know, well, I had this, you know, I was having trouble with this, navigating this, with this, whatever AD with this producer, how do you do that? And I'm like, I still, I, you know, I'm guilty of that too. It doesn't always click, you know, um, but focus on the story and focus on the show and, and try to, you know, make sure that you get your job done first and foremost, but it's hard. It's hard and you have to multitask and, and learn how to do many things at once and make sure everyone feels like they're being taken care of. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> I'm there's when I was kind of like, you know, I know so many like DPs who are like just angry gruff men, you know, <laughs> yeah. coming up as an EC. It was like, that's like very common too, you know? Yeah. 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 Hopefully that's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like fading and post me too <laughs> yeah but yeah they still exist they're still out there need to hire a cinematographer well look no further than the icfc's member online database we boast over 300 highly qualified cinematographers for all your filmmaking needs visit our site now and find your next superstar collaborator at icfcfilm.com I have a baking question. Yes. Um, hot Please. baking tip. Hot baking tip. What? Which? Yeah. Which? Which should we know? Um. Well, what are you trying to bake? I usually bake gluten free stuff. So <laughs> okay. It's a different thing. But just any any good baking tip for making a solid good sourdough. Like okay. one thing we should do. Well, I was going to give a. Uh, a non-sourdough related thing. So understanding what gluten is and 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 knowing when to develop it and when not to. When you're making what's called a quick bread. And so like that would be like pancakes, muffins, banana bread, biscuits. Those are like considered quick breads. You don't want to overmix because you do not want to develop the gluten. You want to just make sure that everything just gets wet and that's it. Okay, so that you make sure you don't develop gluten for quick breads. It's called like a light biscuit hand because mm. you're not saying, okay. And then um, I have a funny story with John Favreau about that, but uh, okay, I'll we remember, I'll get back to that later. And then for sourdough, you want to develop the gluten because you want to have the structure so that your bread rises without collapsing. So you want to make sure your gluten is, is properly formed. Mm. And that is from doing your coil folds and building strength. And this whole other thing called like sensibility and, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, it's it, it just to understand you have to have like a somewhat higher protein content for sourdough as you have to have that structure. You want to build that gluten network and you want to make sure that your, your, your sourdough starter is very strong and that you use the starter at its peak when it starts to smell sweet. Some people have like an early, like the tartine method, he, he likes to go a little young on the mm -hmm. leaven. Mm -hmm. but um, I, I like it when it's a little more mature. So it just depends, you know, different schools of thought, but ultimately you want to be able to develop all that gluten structure in your bread so that it doesn't collapse on you and you have this big, nice spring. I could talk about sourdough for like hours and hours. <laughs> no, that's great. I, my my parents um, bake on the side. My, my mother bakes on the side. He does gluten stuff and my parents do gluten-free. So I, yeah. <laughs> I live in that world a lot. <laughs> so. Me too. My girlfriend just got into baking, so she is baking a lot of bread. And so... And then bread. Uh, she's making sourdough. She's making brioche. She's making milk breads. She's dabbling into baguettes. 
Yeah. Ooh, baguettes are hard. Yeah. Baguettes. <laughs> well, baguettes are great. It's yeah. so nice. It's nothing like a fresh baguette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, like once you start eating, I mean, I could go on this tangent forever about, you know, the food quality in this country or, you know, what's in our food, yeah. processed yeah. foods, but we won't go there. <laughs> well, but no. once you eat fresh bread, it's really hard to go back, right? To be like, I'm not going to eat the store-bought bread. Well, we that's, that's why I started, at, like, I started baking my own gluten-free bread because, like, the stuff you get at the store is just not great. It's in, like with gluten-free yeah. stuff it just goes bad so fast too um so i'm just like i'll just make it it's just easier use buckwheat uh use a mix of stuff actually depending on the recipe i just made some bagels that were um to mix of millet um brown rice flour and tapioca starch um that came out pretty well do you ever add sorghum or anything? Yeah, or- sorghum for a couple for different yeah. ones. Um, uh, yeah, it depends really on the on the on the recipe. Um, my mom developed a gluten free sourdough starter. She gave me one, and then I probably killed it. Oh. So, <laughs> but you make I'm, another one. I mean, yeah. it's a six week. Yeah, yeah. Babysit so. it. Yeah, I'm I'm bad at that. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, no, I I have like a journal that I had. Um, I don't use it anymore because I'm more versed in it, but um, uh, I was like an insane person. It looks like it's like a serial killer, like journal, <laughs> like all these scribblings and drawings that are like, it's like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have so many, fo- like thousands of photos on my phone, but it's, so, you know, good to have passions to balance out yeah. the insane work that we do in this industry and to stay level-headed and mm-hmm. clear your mind and make sure, you know, you have perspective. I think that's really important to, yeah. uh, you know, if you're only doing film, you're kind of in a bubble, you know, you have to see what's out there yeah. and listen to people's stories and travel the world. And, you know, I always try to encourage people to do that too. Like mm-hmm. if they, like I traveled the world, like super poor, you know, I would stay in um, my husband and I, when we were um, in college and or like, 13 years after college, we would travel to a different country for a month every year and wow. live there. Yeah. So that's a great way to explore the world. And um, I I really think it's helped me as a filmmaker, you know, kind of knowing what I've seen and, and witnessed and experienced over the years, um, being open to to different stories and, and being able to like, you know, have a say at it and be respectful of those cultures and, and those peoples and, and people's situations. That's so important. It's traveling. And I'm trying to get my kids to, um, I really want to go to live in a different country for a year. Mm. I feel it's a little difficult, but um, it's like with my husband's work too, like he can't really be away from California too long. Mm-hmm. He performs every week, mm. but um, I don't know. It's always been a dream. And I'm like, no better time to do it than now you know while the kids are yeah. still you know they like us <laughs> yeah also when they're young they can learn languages so fast you know it's like exactly yeah you know i wish i it's just hard because my husband doesn't speak vietnamese and mm. my kids are now like i want to learn vietnamese i'm like oh my god it's just hard to like only speak vietnamese to them you know it's like yeah i'm like oh i wish i can be committed to that more you know mm-hmm. my mom put me um in a public school in China when I was oh. a kid. She just threw me in there. <laughs> didn't speak a word of Mandarin. And within, I think, a couple of weeks, like six weeks, it, like you had to talk, right? Like you had yeah. 
made yourself talk. So now I speak fluent Mandarin. <laughs> That's incredible. Uh, my parents, when, when we were in Kansas, we spoke Spanish at home. And then when we moved to Ecuador, we only spoke English at home. So, and then like we would speak the other language when we were outside the house. So my brother and I grew up fully bilingual that way. That's amazing. No, I'm so bad. I went back to see my parents and, um, you know, I only speak Vietnamese to them. And my kids are like, what are you, what are you saying? I'm like, oh God, so sad. Worst mom. I'm like, oh no. It was so that like, you know, they pick up a little bit and I'm like, oh man, maybe I'm thinking about like maybe putting them in Vietnamese like language classes or something, but it's just hard. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's hard as an adult to learn a language, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When I when I went to undergrad and I started learning Mandarin, that was hard. That was really hard. I was like, what did did I do to myself? Yeah. Uh, My my dad's from Belgium and um, Flemish is technically my first language. But because my mom cared more that I spoke Mandarin, uh, (laughs) that kind of got neglected. Right. And so when I was in like high school and college, I learned German. And so now my dad says that my Flemish sounds like an angry German. You know, and it's like I try, but like it just sounds so guttural and hard and angry. (laughs) I study German, too. I said German and Latin and Italian. Wow. I wanted to be a CIA operative. Nice. <laughs> but um They but didn't I, come knocking. <laughs> no, I I no, yeah, I don't know. I was like, uh, maybe that's crazy. So if you weren't if you if life had turned out differently and you had made slightly different choices yeah. and you weren't a DP, what do you think you'd be doing right now? I'd be a chef. Ah. Nice. Yeah. I actually got into culinary school at the same time and I decided mm-hmm. to go to school. But I was like, oh, I can always go back to culinary school if I don't, if this whole film thing doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, a like a, a safety. So, but it's good that way because now I really enjoy cooking and baking and I didn't make a profession out of it. And, and, and it's funny because like a lot of people will ask like, oh, what cameras do you shoot on? I'm like, I don't, I shoot my iPhone. Yeah. So sad. <laughs> I'm like, you know, but like I'd shot, I have all these cameras like in storage and, right. um, you know, I, I worked in the dark room all at, like every week I'd go. Mm-hmm. And when I lived in New York, I would develop everything, process my own film, everything. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good skill to have. Yeah. Like knowing like dark room skills. Cause then you really understand the image and you understand how it works and, mm-hmm. um, all the silver halide crystals and it's just it's magical you know it's yeah. it's chem- um it's science it's really it's science and art um like our careers um so it's just it was just so it's uh, that was like my passion when i before i moved to california i was like you know being in the dark room and stuff but i don't do that anymore i've moved on no time <laughs> <laughs> but also the chemicals are really bad for you yeah yeah they're really hard to dispose of too yeah yeah. I I also I used to develop film in my Brooklyn apartment and now that I live in LA it's actually funny my house in the garage we actually have a dark room but there's no running water mm. so it's just storage there's like a bunch of old yes. stands in there cuz I don't use it anymore but uh, it's so sad right I know it's sad it's important 
Vicini is a woman and Latina-owned boutique camera rental house based in Los Angeles. They are passionate about the nuanced design that goes into visual storytelling and as such are committed to supporting filmmakers tell their stories with the best tools available. Plus, for busy cinematographer or camera crew parents, they also offer childcare services during prep. So when you're looking for camera rentals for your next project, check out their extensive repertoire of optics and cameras at www.bcine.com or write to rentals at bcine.com for general inquiries. Okay, so we have one last question for you and it's a three-parter. Oh, goodness. Uh, so what is your favorite movie? What is your comfort movie? And what's the movie that has influenced your cinematography the most or influenced you as a cinematographer the most? Oh my gosh. I should have answers to these questions. My favorite movie. You know, Soy Cuba? Mm. Big influence on me. I loved that film. I haven't seen it in a very long time. Um, there's two films, that one and, oh my gosh, why is why am I blanking on the Terrence Malick film? Uh, what is that? Terrence Malick film about like the old test, like the plague and everything. Oh my God. Badlands, Days of Heaven, Tree of, of Heaven. Days of Heaven, Days of Heaven. Okay. All right. Two favorite films, Soy Cuba and Days of Heaven. Uh, I think because so much of it can be understood without dialogue, mm-hmm. both those films. And I was like, oh, I love these films so much for some reason. I don't know why. And this was before mm-hmm. I really got into filmmaking and understood what a cinematographer did. But I just remember like emotionally, like how those images made me feel and the energy movement of Soy Cuba versus like the very curated shots of, of um, Days of Heaven and the subjects. Mm-hmm. So I would say those two. And then, um, what was the second question? Favorite film? Favorite film, comfort film. Like the film you'll watch when you're like sick and just, or just like need to feel comforted and feel better. Just something that makes you feel warm and fuzzy inside, I guess. I don't know if I have, I have books like that, but films, I don't, I guess it's because like these days I watch films with my kids and I, or I watch films for work. I don't really have a comfort film that I go back to again and again and again. Well, what's the <laughs> book you you feel is your comfort book? Oh my God, so many books. Oh, okay. Um, so the books, you know, I, I really, I like reading fantasy and sci-fi. And um, like I read a lot of Anne McCaffrey and Ursula Le Guin and Isaac Asimov and stuff. So when I go back to those books, um, I like to reread them and just be reminded. It, it kind of transports me back to like my early teenage years when I was like, you know, a bookworm and reading all all these novels and getting ideas, getting inspired, just helping my imagination and stuff. I'm very vivid, active uh, imagination. Um, but that's that's like it's so comforting to to read those books. I think because I'm so deep into film, getting away from that for comfort. Going to back to the novels, um, another book, uh, a specific book is like The Name of the Wind by oh, Patrick. Yeah. I love that book so much. It's so beautiful. I cry. It's so poetic and so just so powerful um, and emotive. Like those, I would say books are more of an escape for me than film because I do film so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, finding that different medium, you know, it, it is, is important, I think, to just get that perspective. And uh, the movie that's influenced you as a cinematographer the most or your cinematography the most? So many films, so so many beautiful films. 
Um, but I, I think I would go back to a lot of Roger Deakins' work, you know, for um, storytelling. Shawshank Redemption is like, you know, such a powerful film visually, so many iconic moments in it, you know, storytelling and, and the, I don't want to say anything about the simplicity because it's not simple. He's because he's a master, he makes it appear simple, but that classical storytelling, it'll, it'll stay true for years and you go back and it won't feel dated. And I think for me, that's what I, that's what draws me in as a, as an audience member is classic storytelling because it's never going to be outdated. It's never going to feel gimmicky. It's going to stay true because it is the best way to, to tell that story. And, and I think I derive my storytelling from his philosophy and many others and that the image should really move the, uh, the story forward and not detract from anything else. And so that philosophy I've been following for you know, my career, because that's what feels true to me. And I think some of it has to do with um, having been trained as a photojournalist and, and finding the, the, the reality and the truth in the image, in the moment, as opposed to like creating a, a, a beautiful picture just for the sake of it being beautiful. Well, anything else you'd like to add that we didn't talk about? Just final. Uh, I mean, I, I love talking about baking and stuff, but you know, I'd say overall, what's really important to me is being able to be accessible to all different genders, all different um, people of color and, and not and everyone. Like, I just want to, you know, it's really hard to do what we do. And it's even harder <laughs> in, in some ways and um, for, for people who look more like us mm-hmm. or not. It's just, it's such a... It's such a hard job to begin with. And so then to have other obstacles that make it harder, I just want to tell everyone out there, like you can do it. It's just have to stick to it and just stay true to your art form and, and, and don't, don't sacrifice your artistic integrity or your, your human integrity in order to get to where you want to be because, you know, you have time and, uh, you know, just love what you do. Awesome. Well said. Thank you so much for coming. Yes. And uh, one last thing. Where can we find you on the internet? Like social uh, media, uh, website, yes. Alyssa. Uh, my website's on there. I, I'm actually shutting it down right now. I need to, I haven't touched it for years. I'm like so embarrassed. So don't go on my website. But I'm on social media. Um, it's a very strange handle. I came up with it like so many years ago, but it's Q-G-A-R, Cougar. Like cougar, <laughs> but uh, and don't ask. Um, so I'm on. I'm not. I don't really post that much on social media. After the pandemic, I just decided I didn't need to be on it as much. I post stories, and I I try to um, use my platform to spread the news on other uh, filmmakers. Um, like last night, a wonderful Vietnamese writer whose film I got to as last night. A tourist guide to love. I post a story in that. You know, I just try to amplify stories and, and yeah, maybe sometimes occasionally um, showcase some of my own work. But that's, I really, you know, it's going back to the imposter syndrome. I'm like, I don't want to really, you know, I feel like I'm bragging <laughs> if I'm, oh, here, check this out. You know, I don't, I, I just feel awkward about doing that kind of stuff. Like, oh, look, at, like I admire a lot of DPs who are like, 
here's my lighting diagram and here's yeah. some still frames like oh my god that's so it's so much work to like mm-hmm. first of all to do that but also it's great because like it's i'm always curious like oh how do they do that you know but like it's they do that like every day i'm like oh my god it's like i'm just like here's the shot of my family <laughs> here's my bread <laughs> here are my new sprouts I'm like, in my <laughs> look my my arugula is coming up nicely you know I'm like who wants to see that I don't know whatever it's you know it's fun I like it yeah thank you so much for coming on we really really appreciate it this was amazing um, yeah, thank you so much having- thank it you was so nice much. to talk to you both Emmy and, and Kina and I, I really wish you the best thank you so much she's so inspirational oh my god love love her love Love her i i was internally fangirling a lot (laughs) no me too i was trying really hard not to fangirl too i mean i think i said some things that were definitely like gushy maybe you know but Mm -hmm. um it's just awesome to see you know someone who is so successful but also so incredibly giving and down to earth yeah just such a real person you know i'm just like Mm -hmm very humble and like refreshing to talk to I'm not the you know anyone we've talked to wasn't but um it's just you know she's just a real real person and yeah like, does this incredibly incredible body of work you know mm-hmm. yeah I mean, I- we talk about the ASC with her but yeah we forgot <laughs> <laughs> well I just said like I don't know I think one of the nice things is like I felt like I was almost I mean, not that anyone we have talked to hasn't felt like friendly or anything, but it was like, you know, the minute we start talking about bread and baking and like all these other things, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's 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 nice to be able to talk about these things with other people in the industry, too, because and not just talk about, you know, as she said, you know, having a life outside of of the career we have. Um, so that was that was great. I I think I could have talked about bread with her way too long as well. So. And I just also, it's, you know, like, love, she has so much energy, you know, it's like, mm. so to be so multifaceted, I think that that's yes. really so important, um, especially as DPs to have this kind of um, zest for life, but also this, you know, experience of other things that are not, you know, I know a lot of people who are just film, 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 mm-hmm. like, you're kind of losing something, you know, there's yeah. a world out there that doesn't involve um cinematography or filmmaking you know mm-hmm. like there's the real world we live in like sometimes like you know like you've ever been to like a concert and like you're recording something and then you're yeah. actually watching this like whether right. it's working or shooting the, the event right but sometimes mm-hmm. like you're just living through the experience of the camera right mm-hmm. like sometimes I think like whether okay if not not if I'm working the event but like if I'm just there like put your phone away and mm-hmm. sit there and watch something you know yeah yeah and then that happens that's been happening a lot lately to me and then I actually realized the um that I forgot to take any pictures of some cool event you know but but at least I lived it so it's in my memory yeah. Yeah, well, and I think also just her talking about the whole uh, her approach to momentum and momentum in our careers. And I think one of the biggest takeaways I got from her was like when she was like, 
when I had my kid, I decided, you know, I knew that was going to stop or slow down some of the momentum I had in my career, but I made that choice very uh, willingly. And like, I don't regret it. And like, it was the right choice to make. And I think there's a lot of us who, when we look at our momentum and we have some momentum going, and then we have to make a choice like that. um, Sometimes there's this, this fear of like, well, that's that choice again, right? Yeah. Yeah. Lack of confidence. Like, yeah, there's something about her that's like, you know what? Like, it's okay. I'm gonna find my way out. I'm gonna, mm-hmm. find, I'm gonna bounce back. It's not a big deal, you know. And I think what she said is right. It's like mm-hmm. you have the talent and you have the skill set. Like it's yeah. just a matter of time, mm-hmm. um, and not being afraid to be like, oh, like I'm my career's never coming back from this. My career, yeah. Because there's a confidence in that skill set. She knows what she's doing. She knows what she wants to see. She knows what she wants to work on. She knows what she is going to make. Yes. You know? And that is so important. Like if you have that. What are you afraid of? Exactly. Exactly. Just being confident in yourself and being confident that you got yourself. Like if you, if something happens, like you will pick yourself up and keep going, you know, I think that's, well, I think, you know, it's like, it's, it's to hear her talk about imposter syndrome. It's like, everybody has imposter syndrome then, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, you know, if you're at that level and you still feel like, you know, I think a lot of people will resonate with what she said about like, oh, when, you know, and we've talked about this in other episodes. It's like, mm-hmm. when do you call yourself a director of photography? And yeah. when you see your name on the title credit of a big movie on, on a screen, like you, you, yeah, sure. But like before then too, right? Like, mm-hmm. short, like you're doing the work, you're, you have the skill set, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, The imposter syndrome, it can be hard because sometimes like when we're at, I don't know, at least where I'm at, you know, sometimes I have to pay my bills with other skills like, you know, graphic design on the side. I'll like um, work gaffer, crew, whatever. Right. Um, I've done translations, you know, anything just just to stay in the game. Right. And like I'm not it was hard sometimes for me to be able to say like, Hey, I am a DP, but I'm also like, I'm actually paying the bills with a multitude of things. So am I really a DP, you know, but like having that to be able to say, no, I am a DP. I just pay the bills this way for now, but I am a DP. I think that's, that's really hard to come to terms for, or it has been for me at least, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, just confidently saying i am a director of photography this is what i do and this is who i am is hard it's really hard <laughs> it's really hard and also you know it's it's not looking good you know it's not gonna get any easier in the next couple of years like it's you know there's so much restructuring happening and yeah so things you know and i just you know i think especially as women who want to create families you know or who are yeah each there's this like pressure there's so much pressure about like yeah. oh like if you're gonna have a family have it now if you don't you know like what she's saying like biology it's absolutely yes you get to a certain point and you're like okay you're you better do it now or you're not and if your career is not there then you gotta make that choice right 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 yeah i mean um i mean this is incredibly personal but i'm putting it out there because i don't think it gets talked about like i'm thinking about freezing my eggs at the end of this year because like uh, you know I, I might want to start a family and like putting things into like, but even making that decision is like such a choice and with balancing the career and like what, what invo- that involves. So it's, it's, I think, yeah, I don't know. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, it's it's another burden, you know. It's a burden mm -hmm. that women have to do. And like, this is funny. Like, you know, like I'm like a queer person in a long relationship, you know. But like, mm -hmm. we make that choice, you know. And this is yeah. <laughs> not not to negate people who my straight friends who have families but sometimes it just happens right <laughs> and mm -hmm. then they have children yes <laughs> like yes. that's not gonna happen to me and so if I want that to happen we have to actively say okay mm -hmm. now we're on paper we're gonna do this we're gonna have a mm -hmm. plan we're gonna have money we're gonna do this yep. and like that is so much more work <laughs> to yeah like yeah and it's like you know I I do it's like some part of me is like well maybe you know like if I was straight it would just accidentally happen and then I'd be mm. like oh like the time is right now I guess it's mm -hmm. happen you know <laughs> but uh, I think I think what she said too and like this is just something I hear from a lot of my friends too that they're like there's the one one side of my friends who are like oh I'm not ready to have kids because I'm not my finances are not where they should should be my life is not where my career is not where it should be and the other the rest is like there's never a good time to have kids you it's it you, yeah. you you'll make it happen kind of thing and I think her echoing that um was really great to hear in our in a when with our line of work being like if you just got to do it you know you'll make it work you will figure it out you know like and but it that also involves the active choice of you are going to make it happen you are going to make it work and you have to have confidence that Again, that momentum that you'll lose because you will lose in momentum, um, you'll get it back. You'll get back on track and yeah, not regret it, I guess. Yeah, manifest that. Manifesting manifest it. That. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who has any doubt that's listening, manifest it. Okay. Manifest. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, but yeah, she's, I need more breaking, making tips from her. I think I'm going to hit her up for baking tips for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening today. Please follow us on Instagram at the ICFC. You can also reach us by writing to ICFCpodcast at gmail.com. This episode was produced by Emilia Mendieta Cordova, Fabian Hausepian, Akina Vandevelde, Senda Bonet, and Barbie Lung. 